WMEX Quincy Boston, streaming at WMEXBoston.com. And on your smart speaker, just say, play WMEX. The greatest hits of all time are back. This is the all-new WMEX. WMEX Boston. After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Melbury's gloves are again off for his next chapter as a radio host, talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. You're listening to Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Melbury on WMEX. Here's your host, Mike Melbury. Thank you, Ben. And we're going to take a quick look back at what the Bruins have done to get themselves to 3-0. and Arizona was in town on Saturday. Jerry, Jeremy Swayman got his start. Bees jump out to a pretty good lead early, but Pavel Zaka casually, casually turned the puck over to Shane Gostaspear, and all of a sudden, we had a 3-3 game. Uh, the gang that couldn't shoot straight, that means Arizona, now had a chance, but the Coyotes goaltender gave up a big shot from Derek Forbert, and A.J. Greer scored the first of his two goals on the day, and the Bruins went home happy. Uh, I kind of like the fact that he Greer scored his first goal and gave a big smooch to the Bees logo on his jersey. Did you see that, Ben? I sure did, man. That Greer kid is ready to play. He's a gamer <laughs> through and through. Yeah, bottom six forwards did the damage in this game, and that's a good sign. I mean, you want those guys to pitch in, feel good about themselves, gain a little confidence. And with that game in the bag, they took a look ahead to Florida Panthers. And a little look at the Florida Panthers. They played on Saturday in Buffalo and played pretty well. Um if you didn't see that game, by the way, Spencer Knight, who played at BC, was in goal for Florida. And he made one of the most spectacular saves you'll ever see. It was a blind pass on the backside to Jeff Skinner, who's a really good goal scorer. And he got all of it. He ripped it. But uh, Knight was able to slide quickly post to post with his left pad and his left hand out, outstretched and made a spectacular glove save. 99.9% of those similar plays wind up in the back of the net. But it was fun to see the kid that did some of his work locally at a, at a BC come up big in that result. And this is the first time we were taking a look at Florida with Matthew Tuchuk. Tuchuk forced a trade from Calgary, and it was a whopper. Calgary had already lost Johnny Gaudreau to free agency, and now they're looking, staring at a, a loss of Matthew Tuchuk, the two top weapons that they, they employed. And they wound up trading Tuchuk to Florida for Jonathan Huberto, who had 115 points last year. That's a lot of points to give up, but that's not the end. They gave up Mackenzie Wegar, a very capable defenseman, plays 22 minutes, 24 minutes a night, um, and has really started to come into his own. Uh, they gave up a conditional first-round pick, pretty good acquisition from Calgary's standpoint, and a prospect. So a lot of heat on uh, to Chuck, who certainly seems to play the way I think Bill Zito, the GM in Florida, wants them to play. They've been knocked out of playoff contention early, even though they won the President's Trophy last year. I think the thinking was, we got to toughen up. And Tuchuk is tough. He is. He's not going to. He's not going to surrender to any kind of physicality. He gets people very irritated, and I think that had to be the thinking because the price was astronomical for Tuchuk. Anyway, I wanted to keep a close eye on him and did last night. But the guy that immediately struck for Pater was Jake DeBrusque. DeBrusque was 
questionable to play with a hand problem, and all of a sudden he thought he felt pretty good in the morning skate, and they almost they opened the door for him a crack, and he said, what the heck? It's my birthday. I'm going to give it a shot. So 21 seconds in, he scores a, a nice goal, but I got to tell you, Bobrovsky was off his angle, didn't come out. It was, it was from the face-off dot. He should be stopping about 95% of those shots. And he didn't really rocket it. It just found a, it found a hole underneath his arm. I think Bobo had a kind of tough night as far as I'm concerned. He did. He definitely did. It was not his finest work. Uh, um, speaking of Tuchuk, he made a beautiful backdoor pass uh, to Sam Bennett to tie the game. Pavel Zaka, you know... We're all talking heavy-duty Pavel Zaka positives. He let he let his check go, and Bennett was wide open at the top of the crease, and that resulted in the goal. I mean, he was he was what do I want to say? Sloppy, lazy, not aware. That's the kind of stuff that you can't have from a second line player. He's got to clean that up. But there was a weird play when it was one-one. I don't know if you remember it. Did you see the whole game, Ben? Or I saw most of it, but I'm hoping I saw what play you were about to talk well, about. Well, the. Uh, the Bruins were breaking out, and they made a pass across their own blue line, and it ricocheted back into the zone. And it was Sam Reinhardt who was like almost at the top of the circles, and he was able to collect the puck because the Bruins had directed it back into their own zone. So he was, although he was over the blue line, he was still onside. And he wound up with a, a clear-cut breakaway against uh Omar and Omar made a tremendous glove save. Now that's the second game he started, and the second time he's come up big when the Bruins needed him to come up big. I and mean, I think that's noteworthy in itself. I mean, Omar at at that stage of the game, you know, the Bruins were on, on top of it, but you know, you get momentum if you're Florida with a play like that if they had turned it into a goal. By the way, they were down already to start the game. Brandon Montour, one of their top defensemen, was out, and then. We'll tell you about the next guy that went down. It was, uh, it was DeBrusque with a behind-the-back pass after out-hustling Florida's defense, which was Ekblad, but you could see he was laboring. Uh-huh. And, and DeBrusque had his wheels going, no question about it. He out-hustled Ekblad to the puck, threw a behind-the-back pass to Bergeron, who buried it, and that was the last we would see of Aaron Ekblad for the evening. I have no idea. It has to be a lower body injury. He was uh, immediately in pain and took off to the bench, but... You know, I didn't think Bobrovsky played this very well either. So I'm not trying to take anything away from the Bruins here. I'm just trying to point out that Florida's goaltending was not on on this particular night. And even on the next goal, which is the goal of the night, I want to highlight everywhere, I'm sure, on on ESPN and every place else, was David Postenok. What a move. I mean, he (laughs) he wound up going one-on-one with Mark Stahl, who's been in the league for forever, 16 years, I think it is. And he gave it the dipsy doodle through the legs. Stahl reached out, lunged at him, couldn't catch him. And then Postonark was in close on, on Bobrovsky and just tapped it through Bobrovsky's legs. I mean, it, it was a spectacular goal. Don't, don't get me wrong, but he had no juice on it. He had no, no power behind the, the shot. It just found the five hole. And another one that Bobrovsky, I thought, was weak on. You know, on, and, na- on National Pasta Day, he was serving it up, yeah. good, and that was a dish best served cold. And it, so, so to bury Bobrovsky, finally, Trent Frederick made it 4-1 to one on a wraparound goal that he just, you know, you got to be better than that on the wraparound. I was going to say, I haven't seen too many wraparounds like that actually make it into the back of the net. I mean, and good on Frederick for being there and having the 
forward thinking uh, to just make sure the stick angle was right and get it up over that uh, edge of the pad there because he hit it perfect, man. Yeah, and like the other two games the Bruins had played, you thought they were in control. You thought it was going to be easy peasy, get the job done. But uh, all of a sudden, they wound up giving up a uh, couple of late goals, one with 137 to go with the Florida Panthers had emptied their goal and had a sixth attacker out there. Colin White slammed one in. And fortunately, uh, Jake DeBrusque got his second goal of the game, open netter. Now I want to ask you this. We saw, Lind we saw Hampus Lindholm uh, with an open net goal in the opening night against Washington. And he shot it from his own zone, right? Like somewhere around the top, the yeah. middle of the circles. About a buck 80, no but doubt. But there was a two-goal lead. And my point is, you can take a chance then. If it's a two-goal lead and you're fairly confident, you you know you're 50-50 on hitting the net. Because if it does blow up in your face and it comes back to a draw in your own zone, you lose the draw. They score. You still have a margin of error here. DeBrusque in this particular play fielded the puck just at the Bruins blue line, turned and fired, and it went straight into the net. I mean, looks great. Everybody's happy. But I'm wondering if you know Jim Montgomery whispers in his ear and says, Jake. You just got to get that over the red line and into their zone. I mean, because if you don't hit the net, it's coming back. So in other words, hit the damn net or it's on you. Basically. That's, that's basically what it's got to be. Play worked in any event, and I thought it was a, a pretty good night again for the Bruins. I mean, Olmark, you got to give him a B plus. Love the stop at the right moment. DeBrus gets an A. Um, Berge, three points. Right? That was key. That was key. Another, another A. Pasta. Didn't see much of him besides the big play, but I'll give him a B for that. Derek Forber was a plus five on the night. Plus five. That's you know, I'm not, not a huge plus minus guy. I mean, sometimes you can get a plus. You could be standing, you know, at the blue line while the three guys ahead of you are zipping up the puck <laughs> around and you get a plus. But anyway, it's worth noting, and it's also worth noting that their call up Renouf was a minus three and so was uh, well, Zaboro was a minus two. You know, they need guys like, like that to pitch in when they're down a man like they were with Carlo being out in addition to McAvoy. Happy to see that kid get five shots on net at least. I mean, all things considered, at least yeah. he's touching the puck. Well, Clifton looked pretty good. couple of helpers for him. So all in all, I give the team a B. And uh, they're on to their next opponent. Three and four nights doesn't happen that often. And did you notice, by the way, no games yesterday in the NHL. Just like, the, I guess they were just avoiding early season NFL football, but it was, uh, <laughs> I've never seen a Sunday that early in the season that had absolutely no games to it. So yeah, that was a weird one for sure. But you know, it's, it's a, it's a transition time where baseball's out and we're moving on to, uh, the rest of this, uh, what do we got? 79 games after tonight. So it's a long way to go. Well, we got our first break and a good guest coming up, right? Going to tell them who it is. We sure do. Mr. Dale Arnold going to be joining the program in just a few moments here on Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury live on 1510 WMEX. We will be right back. AMS Practice Management is the premier provider of talent acquisition and professional services across the United States. Their extensive network of quality professionals enables you to meet deadlines, develop new projects, and propel your business forward no matter where you're located. Let AMS Management find your new helpers today. If you're a job seeker who wants more than just a job, it's time. Do you need the right opportunity where you can show up and make the difference? Do you want a chance to make the world a better place? Or do you just want to get out of your bed excited about what you do every day? Then it's time to call AMS Practice Management. Find out more at amsmanagements.com. 
AMS Practice Management, turning career connections into catalysts for caring. Are you an enthusiastic sports fan? Want to have fun and get in on the action? Heck yes, that'd be awesome. Have great attention to detail? Want to stay active? Definitely. Want to give back to the student-athletes in your community? Obviously, yes! Then you'd make an excellent high school sports official. We need more officials in Massachusetts. Because with no high school officials, there are no high school sports. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. Gloves off hockey here on WMEX. 615 live and local. Here's your host. Mike Milbury. Thank you, Ben. And uh, joining us now is a guy that will be familiar to all Bruins fans, my buddy Dale Arnold, who's the host of Bruins games in the studio with uh, Billy Jaffe and sometimes a host of other people. How are you, Dale? Yeah, I retire from radio, and the next thing I know, you've got a show. What the <laughs> hell is going on in Boston? <laughs> Well, you know, I had plenty of time on my hands, Dale, so I thought I'd uh, make good use of it. And now I'm uh, here I am in Marshfield at WMEX. And you remember the old disc jockey from WMEX, Woo Woo Ginsburg? I do remember the name. I never met the guy, but I I remember the name. He was Arnie Woo Woo Ginsburg. That's right. (laughs) Woo Woo for you, you. That's right. Well, listen, uh, I'm sitting in a chair that he once sat in. And right now I want to get back to you and hockey. How are you feeling about the team right now? How are you feeling about the first three games? And is it what you expected? Well, and, and you know this, Mike, better than anybody. You, you don't want to get carried away you know, with, with too much up or down through the first three games. But we had a big, and every year at Nesson, we have a big production meeting before the season starts, and we go over everything. And at the end of the production meeting, at the end of the hour and a half, they kind of go through the announce staff and Jack and Brick. Barry and Billy and me and whoever, and, and they just you know say, you know, give us a couple of lines of what you think you're going to see this year. And when it was my turn, I just said simply, they're not as bad as you think they are. Uh, I felt that before they played a game. I feel that now uh, they're deeper than I remember, uh, you know, for a while. And um, I'm obviously concerned about the guys who are out of the lineup, but if you can keep banking points until you can get Brislick and Marchand and McAvoy back into the lineup, well, that's all to the good. There's no question that David Krejci's return makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. And and what's your impression of the check line? I love him. And, and I'll, I'll give Jim Montgomery credit here. You know, they went into into training camp with a, with a game plan. And, uh, you know, because of injuries and whatnot, he had to kind of put the checkmates together with Zaka, Krejci, and Pasternak. He liked what he saw. He liked the chemistry. And even when they got Taylor Hall back and, you know, had everybody available, he said, you know, I'm going to stick with this. And uh, it's fun to watch them play, as you know. Chemistry is something that's hard to define and it's hard to understand what it is, but you know it when you see it. It's like the the Supreme Court talking about pornography, I guess. You know it when you see it, when you see the chemistry. And they had it from the minute they played their first shift together. Well, I I thought they've looked... Very good moving the puck. I was a little concerned in the last couple of games. Zaka gave the puck away to Gostaspear in one yep. game against Arizona, and last night he, he dropped his check, and it was Bennett that, that took the pass from Tuchuk for a tap-in goal. That's the kind of stuff he's got to clean up. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I will say, you know, he's the guy who's got the adjusting to do here. 
you know, Krejci and Pasternak have played together before. They love playing together. It's Zaka who's got to get to their level. And I think he's got the ability to do that. Uh, but I agree with you. You know, he's got to clean some things up. And I feel fairly confident he'll be able to do it. So I'm pretty sure we've got a handle on Charlie Coyle. Pretty sure we've got a handle on Smith. What's your take on A.J. Greer? You know, the thing that jumped out at me during the exhibition season was his willingness to get involved physically, which I like a lot. Uh, and, and I know you appreciate as well. Uh, I frankly was surprised a little bit. Uh, I don't think he arrived with a reputation necessarily of being an overly physical player, but he brought that during the exhibition season. It was obvious, you know, he wanted to make sure that he, he made this team and that he got a, a position on this team. The other part of this is, is almost psychological. He signed a two-year, one-way deal with this team, and what that did for his confidence level, you'd know better than I do. You've signed guys to contracts before, but he seemed to arrive at training camp thinking, you know what, they like me, they think I can play, I'm going to show them I can. Well, they certainly needed that element, and they, they yeah. haven't had a lot of it over the last couple of years, but um, that he brings, and if he can chip in once in a while. Um, the thing that's interesting to me is when Marshan comes back, what happens to the line combinations then? I mean, Martian's well, obviously going to go back with he's going to go back with uh, with Bergeron, and yes. DeBrusque playing like this stays there. Where yeah. does that put Taylor Hall? I think Taylor Hall's going to go to the second line with Krejci and Pasternak, and I think Zaka's uh, going to go to the third line with Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith or whoever's over there. Uh, which again, I, I think this team is fairly deep. Uh, you add a guy like Marshawn and you drop everybody down a notch and it makes them, in my opinion, that much deeper. You're right. And I, I'm just wondering if they, that check line plays as well as it's played offensively and can clean up a few things defensively. Could you actually put a haul on the, on the third line? Still use them on power play situations, but that does wonders for a guy like Coyle, doesn't it? Or Smith. Yeah, it, it would. Um, I have, I have trouble picturing that. Uh, I don't know that Taylor Hall would would beef a whole lot you know he signed a, a nice contract here and he's got you know a few more years yet to play but he's a pretty skilled guy and as much as i like what i've seen out of the the checkmates as i like to call them i think hall's a better player than zaka and and i probably would put paul back with crazy and foster not but i don't know what jim montgomery's going to do well yeah we'll find out it'll be uh it'll be a nice situation to have when it finally does occur um, switching gears a little bit, you've got another chance to look at Hampus Lindholm in the first few games and without Charlie McAvoy, what's your take? You know, the thing, and we've been out of the dressing room for a couple of years now because of COVID. So it was such a, a refreshing thing to be in the room and talking to guys. And the first thing that jumped out at me when I was in there was he's a lot bigger than I thought he was. He's a big man and he's a thick guy and you know he can he can for the most part i think withstand the physical pounding the injury in the playoffs last year notwithstanding very skilled uh you know moves the puck that first pass out of the zone which is so crucial you know for any team's breakout it's so tried and true you know when you get mcavoy back and, and you know whether you put grizzlick with lindholm or you put grizzlick with mcavoy and you put carlo with lindholm that's a pretty good top four defense uh, unit, I think, if you've got those guys out there together. 
Yeah, I'm a little nervous about and looked like Lindholm picked up where he we briefly saw him when he came over after the trade until he got run over by a truck. But yep. um he came in I thought extraordinarily cocky. You don't hear Swedes talking like that too often, but he just seemed as yep. I'm gonna make a difference. You know, it's gonna be I'm gonna be one of the key guys on the team. I'm gonna play big minutes and you know, I didn't know how to feel about that. You? See, now, I would have guessed you'd like that. You know, knowing you and knowing, you know, the, the types of players that you've gravitated to in the past, I would think you'd like a little cockiness. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. Don't get player. me wrong. Don't get me wrong, but I was I was surprised that early on he came in yep. that hot. Yeah, and, and, I, and, and I was going to say, if he's a rookie or a second-year guy, it's like, just shut up and play. But he's been around long enough. He's shown what he can do. I kind of like it a little bit, you know, and, and they that's the other thing about this team, and maybe they all follow Patrice Bergeron's lead too much in, in this regard. Nobody says much, you know? Nobody has that, that edge that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to make a difference here. I think they need it. I, I kind of like to, to see him bring it out there because, you know, other than Marshawn, I can't think of too many guys who talk like that. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they – can generate more of that. They certainly need it, and they certainly what they need cockiness is from is from their goaltenders too. I thought Omar played the best two games he's played in a Bruins uniform in his last two outings. How about you? Oh, he was spectacular last night, wasn't he? And you know, I, I give Baba Senza a lot of credit. You know, he's the guy. And to Jim Montgomery's credit, he has said, you know, they've got a pretty good way of running the goaltending here, and I'm just going to stay the hell out of the way. Sens has done a good job with the goalies here. They both like him. He works well with them. He lays out a plan. Uh, you know, he works with the guy who's not playing for the most part and leaves the guy who is playing alone. But Omar looked great. Um, you know, I, I, they've got a legit one-two goaltending punch. Now, the thing that Jim Montgomery said to me during media day was, by the time you get to the trade deadline, you want to have a number one goaltender. You want to have a guy who is clearly your number one. And I happen to agree with that. I think when you get to the playoffs, if you've got two starting goaltenders, you've got none. But I think it's a legit battle between these two. I, I think Olmark, the way he's handled this whole thing and the way he, he you know, supports Swayman and vice versa has been a, a joy to watch. I think ultimately Swayman will play himself into that number one goaltender spot. But if he can't, I'd probably be okay with Olmark being the guy if that's what it ended up. Well, if he plays the way he's played in the last two games, I mean, it just looked like there was a different level of focus, intensity, you know, movement on the ice. Somebody told me that it came in a little bit sleeker than he had been in the past. Did you, would you able to pick up on that? I, you know, I, again, being back in the room here during training camp and I could see him, he certainly looked like he was in terrific shape. I didn't get to see him much in person the last couple of years. So, uh, it was, it was, refreshing for me to be in there and see him uh he does look like he's in incredible shape the thing that jumped out at me mike when i was watching him play was and you know tuku is always good in this regard when he's playing well it just looks like the puck hits him now it's not the case because he's done the work to get himself in the position that the puck is going to hit him and olmark looked so square to the shooter in his first two appearances hey, I, it, there's no scrambling around there's no tim thomas flip and flop uh, you know, he was square to the shooter. He was aggressive. He was out at the top of the of the paint. Uh, I, I love how he looked 
psychologically and physically through those first two games. So you're not looking for too much flip-flop and Tim Thomas-esque play, huh? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about stylistically. Here. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just checking, making sure. That's all I'm talking about. Well, you know, um, and so... And Tim, what makes you Timmy think? Would tell you, he was all over the ice. All he, he was. He was. Uh, he was. You know, I, I actually scouted Dominic Hasek at the World Championship before he got drafted, and I, I didn't think he could play in the league. I, he was spectacular. I mean, he was all yeah. over the place. But I just said, this, this is a, you know, a style built for European hockey, not for NHL hockey. And was I ever wrong? Well, how would you know? How were you going to know he was going to trailblaze a path like that? Yeah, he was. Well, he was different, that's for sure. But you're right about this being square to the puck. You're right about him seeing it. Um, but I did see him. You know, we were talking about it earlier, about the the quick turnaround. I don't know if you've ever seen this in a hockey game where the Bruins were breaking the puck out and they made an errant pass and it came back into their own zone. And I think it was Reinhardt that picked it up and went in alone on Olmark at 1-1. It was, yeah. And he made a uh, tremendous Glove save. He wasn't. He, he didn't. He couldn't be square to the puck on that one. He had to make a quick move, and he did. I will say also, Mike. You know, and I'm, I'm giving him all these props for being square to the puck because he has been. Uh, but his glove has really impressed me through these first couple of games. His glove, in my humble opinion, not that I know anything about goaltending, but just watch it. His glove looks better than I remember it being in the past. I'm with you on that. I've seen it. And what about Swayman? What makes you think he's the guy that can take over as number one? I mean, you know this better than I do. Goalies are weird. He's the he's the most down-to-earth, normal goaltender I can remember in recent memory. Uh, but I, I I love his attitude. I love the I love the way he plays. Uh, he doesn't let stuff fry him too much. He doesn't you know let stuff take take over his his head. Uh, he's got a, a very good demeanor, but he's competitive. He's aggressive. I don't want to make it sound like he's a pushover back there because he's not. Uh, but I, I, I like his game a lot. I love his preparation. Uh, you know, similar to what we're talking about with, with Omar, I, I find that he's square to the shooter a lot of the time. He's in position a lot of the time. Again, we'll not a knock, a just a stylistic comparison. Not a Tim Thomas. He's not flipping and flopping around out there. Uh, and I just think he's got that that factor. I don't know what it is. It's that, that it factor. I'm not comparing these types of people. But, you know, Martin Brodeur had that little something Patrick Waugh had that little something where you just knew they were really good before you even saw them stop a puck. And Swayman's got that little it factor, I think, going for him as well. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. Keith, Keith Jones was on last week, and he had a similar take on Swayman. He really thought his pers- persona was something that guys could gravitate to. And I know that's, that, that, that's not unimportant in a goaltender like that, because as you can say, they can be they can be a little different. We mentioned Pete Peters, and he was not just a little different; he was a lot different. And you know, I but when he stopped the puck, everything was okay. When he started letting in four and five a game, his jokes that weren't funny in the first place became really horrible. <laughs> um, but playing in front of somebody like Cheevers was, you know, a joy. You knew he was competitive every game you know he's going to fight every shot and you knew he was going to still have a good time off the ice but he was he was somebody that was I got I guess you might say he's like Bailey Zappi right now right <laughs> people aren't are yeah. happy to play for him and that's the way I feel about Swayman and goaltenders in general you want somebody back there that has that 
that kind of, you know, you called it an it factor. Let me, let me ask you this. Were you surprised when Bruce Cassidy was fired? Shocked. Um, you know, I thought he had a great record here. I thought he did a good job here. In the aftermath of the firing, and this is always the case, you start to hear little whispers. You know, oh, he did a great job communicating with the media, but he didn't do such a great job communicating with the players. Uh, you know, we would hear him in the post game talking about a player. He was great in the we post game, wasn't he? Oh, he was terrific. And we were led to believe that, you know, he'd already said all this to the player in the room, you know, beforehand, and evidently that wasn't always the case from what I've heard. I think he's a great coach. I, uh, I'm a big Bruce Cassidy fan. I think he did a great job here in the aftermath of a game seven, one goal, first round playoff knockout. Changes, I guess, had to be made. I didn't think Don Sweeney and Cam Neely were going to fire themselves. Uh, so, you know, he was the next guy on the line, and, and that's what they did. I don't know Jim Montgomery very well yet. I haven't even met him, you know, face-to-face yet. I've talked to him media day, you know, from across the room type of thing. Uh, the players do seem to like him. I'm not sure that that is a be-all and end-all, but they do seem to like him. They they do seem to like playing for him. Um, you know, they, they talk a lot about his stylistic change from Cassidy, you know, releasing the defenseman. When it works, it looks great. Uh, when it doesn't work, it looks awful. And, uh, you know, they, they've looked better more often than they've looked awful so far. But I thought Cassidy was a great coach here. He's a great coach here. He was unemployed for, what, about four days and then got a contract where he was making twice as much as here. Yeah, so, and, 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 and signed by too. George McPhee, who gave him his original chance in Washington. Yep. And, uh, and was fired by George, who, who said to him at the time, it just you just weren't ready yet. I said, but obviously kept that in mind and saw Bruce spend a ton of time in Providence and hone his skills and come back and get it done. But I could tell, you know, early on there were some comments he made in the newspaper about players that I thought were a little offbeat, and I didn't think that would sit well in the front office. But, you know, I, I think that – I heard you talking about that on the radio. I heard you mention that a few times. Yeah, and I, but um, I think, I think he, sits, he got away from that. And I, I think there was other things that DeBrusque thing clearly – reared its ugly head and and uh and i guess there were others because you know the comments lately have been how much different it is and how much happier they seem i guess for lack of a better phrase now i I am not of the opinion by the way that the players got him fired uh you know there are a few players on this team who could have got him fired the three spurs are on brad marchand you know david posternock maybe charlie mcavoy and i don't think any of them did or wanted to I don't think Jake DeBrusque could get Bruce Cassidy fired. I don't believe that. I truly don't believe that. Uh, and, you know, the guys from DeBrusque down, even if they wanted him gone, I should sure as hell hope Don Sweeney wouldn't be listening to them when he makes his coaching decision. So Bruins off to a good start. Um, who are you more, most concerned about now in the Eastern Conference? Well, Florida had 122 points last year. Um, no, I think they're they're going to take the hit this year. And this was before I watched them play that. Did, did you did you like the Tuchuk trade? No, did not like uh, the Tuchuk you know, trade. You know they they've got back to back Tuchuks here. Um, you know last night and tonight. I, I don't love it. Um, I, I, I guess you know from a salary cap perspective, they had to move some money around. We're seeing more and more deals made. You know, because well, we can't keep this guy, and we can't keep that guy, and we gotta we gotta move some money around so we can get this guy. And um, do you like Kachuk better than Huberto? 
I thought it was a boatload of assets to give up for a guy, but I thought I, I thought I thought their GM Bill Zito, who was assistant GM in Columbus under Yarmo Kikalainen, came to Florida, saw that they couldn't get out of the first round, even though they were talented, and felt he needed to change to a more at least get some more physicality. I think he gave up yep. too much. Yeah, I, I, I think they gave up too much. They got some snarl. They got some attitude like we've been talking about. And I, I like Matthew. I think he's a, I'd love to have him on my team. Any day. I agree with you. I think they gave up too much to get him. What's your take on the Rangers? Better. I like him. Uh, I hate saying those words, huh? Yeah, I don't it doesn't feel right, does it? I, I mean, it is no, what no. it is, though. Zabinijad, uh, you know, has just kind of exploded into being a number one center. You got Panarin, who had four points last night. You've got a 50 goal scorer in Kreider. Um, you got two very high draft picks in Kako and Lafreniere. You got Adam Fox, who's a Norris Trophy winner, and Truba, and a goaltender, Shesterkin, who's, I mean, I think they're, I think they're the next, next team to come out of this conference, in my opinion. I think Tampa Bay has slipped with the loss of McDonough and the loss of Palat. I think they're vulnerable now, and it's going to be interesting to see if the Rangers have learned enough to get to the conference final. Yeah, I do think that before the season started, I had the Rangers as the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Um, I, I really like that team a lot, and I think they've got one of the two or three best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. And if you've got that, you've got a chance to win every single one. Are you still worried about Tampa? No. I should be. Uh, you know, their track record speaks for itself, and they've done a remarkable job of keeping it at that high a level for as long as they have in, in a salary uh, hard cap uh, league. But, you know, you've chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. They've still got some remarkable players, Hedman and Stamkos, but they've lost too many parts too many key parts to that machine over the last couple of years, in my opinion. Yeah, the one part that keeps it all together is Vasilevsky. He's just, yep. I mean, he's so, he spreads himself out to just, it's its its amazing. I don't know if it's Vasilevsky, his size or the equipment or how he how he does it, but nobody takes away the low parts of the, of the goal better than him, and he's big enough to stand tall on the, on the top ends. So what about Colorado? Are they going to get it done again? Is there anybody that can catch them? Do you believe in Edmonton? Uh, not. I don't believe in Edmonton to knock off Colorado. I believe in Edmonton, well, for another year or two until Connor McDavid says he wants the hell out of there and wants to go play in L.A. or someplace, which is what I think is going to happen. Ooh, big take. Uh, I mean, I, I think that there's going to come a point where, like Gretzky, you know, having to make the, the move to, to a major market in the United States. I mean, Connor McDavid is easily the best player I've seen in the last 10 years in the National Hockey League. And we know it. Hockey fans, you know, ardent hockey fans know it. Hockey media types know it. I just feel like he gets buried playing where he's playing. Uh, Colorado's the team to beat. I know it's hard to repeat, although Tampa did it. and I think Colorado has the horses to be able to do it as well. Uh, All of this discussion on our part has to do with staying healthy. Obviously, we we don't have to have that, but that's a given here. If they're healthy, man, are they tough. And that Kale McCarr is, I mean, I, I hate to use the three-letter word or, but I know. Know, I mean, there's flashes of it there, isn't there? You, you know, you think about it. Uh, 
I think he's going to be an MVP in this league. No doubt. Uh, you know, forget about the Norths. He's already got one of those. Uh, he's going to be an MVP. And, you know, you guys know this. Defensemen don't get that award very often in this league. And that three-letter guy, you know, is the guy you think of. But I think I think Kale McCarr is, is good enough to be an MVP in the National Hockey League. You know what? I think the last time uh, somebody was close was Ray Bork in 1990 when yep. he – he had the most first-place votes. I'll never forget it. He had the most first-place votes. But some Canadian writers left him completely off the ballot, not one, Stupid. two, or three. If he had just gotten two second-place or third-place votes, he becomes the MVP instead of Mark Messier. I was furious that night. I mean, that, that was a guy that you couldn't, you just couldn't have a better year. I agree. They don't give defensemen that award, but Kale McCarr is going to win one, if not more than one. Well, the beat goes on in Ottawa tonight. Got any feel for them? They look like they were trying to make some changes. They bring in Giroux. They bring in uh, Cam Talbot, who now gets hurt, and he's out for five to seven weeks. They bring in Alex Dabrinkit, but they still stumble. It's still Ottawa, I guess. I, I think that they've begun you know, a, a bit of a legitimate rebuilding effort up there, but they were so far away. For so long, um, you know, goaltending is always going to be a question. They've got Forsberg going tonight, um, it, but that's been, you know, kind of their their bugaboo here the last few years. Uh, they're better. Um, you know, they're catching the Bruins in the second game. You know, in, in as many nights, uh, I don't think they're as good as the Bruins, and I'm not going to be surprised if the Bruins come home on that plane four and zero. Nor am I, and. Uh... And it's, as I know, having been in the booth at Nesson, it's a whole lot more fun when they're winning, isn't it? Oh, God almighty. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, I, I feel bad for my, my Nesson colleagues on the baseball side this year. Uh, and, and this coming from a guy who was the voice of the New England Patriots uh, a year when they were 1-15. in 15. Trust me when I tell you, there's nothing worse. But when the team is, is entertaining and upbeat and fun and, and, you know, you don't have to win every single game in the National Hockey League. You're not going to, but, you know, they're, they're good. They look like they're good, and they're going to be a whole lot better when they get some other guys back. They're a, they're a legitimately fun team to watch right now. Dale, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. I know we're, uh, I know you're working on another, another book. I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes, and we'll chat about that. And, and I want you to be a uh, an entire chapter in that book because I'm trying to I'm trying to give a uh, a level headed approach to this topic. I'm not going to tell everybody what it is. You know what it is. But uh, uh, when I talk to other people for the book, your name has come up, and I want you to I want to be able to talk to you as well. Well, I think you can safely say that I'll tell you what I think. That's why I want to talk to you. All right, thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, pal. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Here on Gloves Off Hockey, that was Dale Arnold with Mike Milbury here on 1510 WMEX, proudly being brought to you by AMS Practice Management. And our friends over at Fuse CBD, give a check at the website today, fuse-health.com, and call Matt today at 978-715-9980. We'll be right back with more Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury. Need to feed a lot of people fast? 
Call Angelina's in Braintree, the home of the Jumbo. Angelina's now offers Dell's Lemonade, the perfect treat to add to any meal. And you can ensure the kids are happy, too. Feed your family tonight with Angelina's, and you'll receive $5 back for every $25 purchase. Not to mention, Angelina's also delivers. Football season's here, so be sure to order your pizza, wings, and more in time for the game. Angelina's in Braintree, 419 Elm Street. Call 781-843-7827 to place your order. Angelina's in Braintree, the home of the Jumbo. AMS Practice Management is the premier provider of talent acquisition and professional services across the United States. Their extensive network of quality professionals enables you to meet deadlines, develop new projects, and propel your business forward by looking for helpers so you don't have to. Find out more at amsmanagements.com. AMS Practice Management, turning career connections into catalysts for caring. with Mike Melbury, 1510 WMEX. Here's your host, Mike himself. Well, that was fun with Dale Arnold. The guy's done as many teams as, who was the organ player? John Kiley, right? That's right. Yeah. He does have as many games as John Kiley. <laughs> From as many different sports. And, you know, he's, he's written books already, and I'm curious to see what the next one's all about. And um, always fun to have on the air with some, some insight about the Bruins. And yeah. speaking of them... Um, in Ottawa tonight, this is three and four nights. It's a little early to get that kind of a heavy workload, but um, Dale talked about it. The, the Senators, everybody was trying to talk about this new, improved look. Uh, their general manager, Pierre Dorian, made some moves. He traded for Alex Dabrinka, which is an interesting trade. I mean, Chicago giving up a 41-goal score is a that's – a, it's a strange way to look at your next season. I mean, they have a couple of older guys in Taves and Kane, and Debrink, it's a younger guy, and scores 41 goals, and next thing you know, he's off to Ottawa. I don't know if they're trying to tank it or well, or what. We, we all know that the, uh, the Blackhawks organizations had a very rough go of things in the last few seasons. It's and, sad, you know, because it was one of the most fun teams ever to right. put on hockey skates. Where they were so much fun when they won three cups and. What was it, three and four years, I yeah. think? Yeah, uh, trust me, I remember all three, specifically that second one, 2013, still getting over that. That's another story. But, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that happens with all these great organizations. You go on these great runs. I mean, look what happened to Tampa Bay right now. This is Chicago a few years prior. It's the end of that era, if you'll say. And uh, a lot of the meat and potatoes from that team, they've gone different ways. I mean, yeah, they're you all run over into, the place. When you're successful like that, and I think we've mentioned it before, you run into the salary cap issue. And the oh, yeah. salary cap issue, guys think they deserve more money, and they probably do because they're on a Stanley Cup team, and that means you have to watch the the ceiling as well as not never never the floor when you're a Stanley Cup champion, but you got to watch the ceiling, and that means a guy like Ryan McDonough gets traded from Tampa Bay, and Andre Palat gets to go off as a free agent to New Jersey. But anyway, that, that's a segue. The Senators also signed Claude Giroux. He's a free agent, was in Florida briefly last year, um, didn't make the kind of impact, I think, that they thought he might make. Definitely. And yeah. he, um, I, I don't know how much he's got left. I guess he's from that neck of the woods, somewhere in, in that area. But I just, I, I guess he's sort of going home. But he's never been very fast. He's okay. He's speed is is okay. But when you get to be mid thirties, you just you Damn. put on a couple of pounds. You just don't move quite as quickly, or you don't have the same kind of stamina. So, but these were exciting things for 
Ottawa Senator fans, and so was the signing of Talbot before he just imploded and got hurt. And this is, I mean, goaltending is so critical. We were talking about Edmonton and McDavid. Mm-hmm. Then they get Jack Kemble, who's a journeyman goaltender. It's not going to cut the mustard for me, no. not by my lights. And Talbot probably wasn't the answer here either. He's also late 30s or mid 30s goaltender. So now Anton Forsberg inherits the number one position. And uh, they claimed a guy off of, of waivers from Seattle. He's 31. It's his fourth NHL team, and he's played all of four NHL games. Must be talking about Magnus Helberg. Yes, I am. <laughs> but we do get to look at Brady Tuchuk. You know, Matthew's brother, he can be a handful. Thomas Shabbat is a very capable play-in-every-situation type defender. Travis Hamanick is a capable defenseman, but it's weak by and large. It is. And when it's backed up by weak goaltending, that means it's vulnerable. I mean, this is three and four nights. I would expect Jim Montgomery to roll four lines, get everybody involved, attack early. You know, he's want, that's the way he wants to play anyway. But when you're playing three and four nights, you you know, and you're not playing against a team who's who's missing their two top defensemen. I mean, they not that this is a great defense, but at least they have their guys in the lineup. You want to you want to go after their Achilles tendon, and this is this is the the place to go for it. You absolutely have to. And Mike, before we go much further too, anyone that has any questions, of course, the lines are open 781-834-9639. 10 minutes left in the program before face off for the Bruins tonight, but that's okay. What are your thoughts, Mike, on Tim Stutzla? Uh, young kid coming into the organization, really made an impact, got himself a little bit of a, a reputation for doing some dive in there. Normally you see that kind of thing out of Montreal, not Ottawa, but uh, what are your thoughts? Uh you know, he'll get over that, the diving part of it. I, I'll, I'll keep an eye on him tonight. I'll be honest, I haven't really focused on this guy, but another one of those young players that Ottawa feels is going to help them turn the corner. It's just they need, they need some star power in the middle of the ice. They need somebody that can make plays, and they need somebody. They need a, their version of Bergeron, their version of Krejci, and they just they don't have it at this point in their development. Right. And looking up and down their roster, I mean, no offense here to the team, the organization, but I'm not seeing that star power in the middle of this lineup or the beginning of the end, to be honest. I mean, great, you got Dabrinkit, you got Giroux, you got Josh Norris, Tim Stutz. After that, Brady Kachuk, the list starts dwindling quickly. I mean, nothing for nothing. These guys are all on the show for a reason, but there's none of those star names that you're so used to seeing on these teams, you know, and, and that's something that... As an Ottawa fan, if I was, I'd be a little concerned with that. Well, I'm sure they're not thinking they're going to turn around and win a Stanley Cup, but they definitely felt they were capable of coming out of the gate with some new faces, a new approach, and that they were going to get after it. But immediately they get stuck with their number one goaltender going down for a long stretch of time. That rattles everybody's confidence. We were talking about that with with Dale a few minutes ago, how the goaltender can set a tone for the defenseman in front of him. He can, you know, if he handles the puck well and gives it to you in a good position so you can exit the zone, makes the world a difference. Or if he just stops it in the right position and gets the hell out of your way so you can, you know, you're, you're facing heavy uh, forecheck for most teams in this league so you can get your head up and look for easy outlet passes. So right. the goaltender in that situation, now, now they have Forsberg, who's, this is not a premium goaltender and Helberg who's just picked up on on, on waivers when you look back that I, I can't ha- I can't help but tell you that your confidence is shaken as a defenseman it just it yeah. is 
And the first mistake made by that goaltender seems to, you know, when a goaltender makes a mistake, it's not just his mistake. It's all the players that made mistakes around him. And it magnifies the whole situation. Yep. That leaves them incredibly vulnerable. And, the, and this defense being what it is, just an average defense, uh, they're going to need more than, than this. And I, think, I don't think the Ottawa Senators are through here with picking up a guy like this off the waiver wire and being satisfied that Talbot's going to be the answer. I think they still have to have their, their, their eye on the ball for a goaltender. I say, though, uh, Helberg is a big boy, 6'6", 209 pounds, and he's young, man. Uh, that is a big body in net back there. There's not too many six foot six, no, there, two hundred pounders back there. The, the guy that I worked for in Long Island was a guy by the name of Charles Wong. He was a, uh, he said to me, you know, I I wanted you to go over to to China and look at this or Japan and look at the sumo wrestlers because if we can get a guy that can just put on a Do uniform that. and fill the net. <laughs> And he was serious. I'm, I'm said, sure he was. I said, you, you got to at least be able to stand up on skates, and that satisfied him for a while. But I get your point. 6'6 six, six is a huge boy, and, um, you know, Especially maybe that's tender. the answer. I don't know. Maybe maybe they, they'll, they'll catch – you know, they'll catch fire with Helberg if, if Forsberg can't get the job done. But right now, you're looking at a huge wart in the lineup of the Ottawa Senators. I do want to get your thoughts uh, as we look a little bit ahead further. We'll cover more of this in detail the rest of the week. But looking forward after tonight's game, we got the Ducks and we got the Wild. And the Wild off to a very disappointing start. 0-3-0 out of the gate. And Marc-Andre Fleury getting booed by the hometown faithful. Did you catch that? Uh, I, I didn't catch that, but... um. He's been around a long time, Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm sure he can handle a little of that, and the expectations after last season's finish for the Wild, extraordinarily high, probably too high. Mm. And uh, nobody wants to get off to a bad start, especially somebody who's been around as long as Fleury and then has to handle the booze. It seems a little unfair. I do. I will say that I loved his follow-up quote after that happened. You know, The media went in afterwards, and they said, Mark, how would you feel about that? And he said... Honestly, I would have booed too. I was terrible tonight. <laughs> that's, that's the most candid, honest answer you're going to get out of the NHL, folks. And that, yeah. at very least. But they did pick up Andre Schuster off the Tampa Bay team. Uh, a couple of other names here. Alex Goligoski moved in. They got Matt Dumbo firing on all cylinders. But I'm just not feeling that vibe there. And I, again, I always like to try to look at these teams from their fan base perspective. Such high hopes and just no delivery. Yet. Well, it's early, too. Let's give them a chance to right the ship and get going. Anaheim rebuilding. They lost in New York to my team to come out of the Eastern Conference, my pick to come out of the Eastern Conference, the New York Rangers. And, you know, they're just they're rolling on all cylinders, and the Ducks are going to find they're going to go up and down and up and down and up and down until they finally – Add a couple of key pieces to the puzzle, just like Ottawa, mm-hmm. and then then maybe the the worm turns. But right now, it's uh, it's not turning fast enough. If you're an Anaheim Duck fan, no, it's definitely not. Um, so we're just about five minutes left in the program here. Just want to kind of open it up a little bit. Obviously, still very early in the season. But, folks, we'd love to hear from you in future episodes. The number, as always, here at Broadcast House, 781-834-9639. We want you to know that we have open lines for you. And as the season rolls on, we're going to be taking a lot of feedback from our listeners. Um, well, well, let me just mention a couple of the other games going on tonight um, that I'm interested in seeing. 
Philadelphia, 2-0. John Tortorella, the guy that's just going to whip his team into shape, um, looks comfortable behind the bench. They seem to be comfortable. But he goes back home where to a team where he guided to a Stanley Cup not, well, it seems like a thousand years ago, but uh, yeah, you know, right. I'm sure he has pleasant memories of that of that particular year. Man, Ruslan Fedotenko, I'll never forget the name. <laughs> how could you how could you forget Ruslan? Buffalo goes to Edmonton. I want to see what Edmonton can do here. I want to see if they can get on a roll. They know, we know they can score goals. Uh they their goaltending is an issue for me, but Drysaddle and McDavid have stated that they want this to be the year that they move to the next level. Let's see what what happens in them. I'm always keeping an eye on him. And Bruce Cassidy, of course, he's three and zero to start the season. Takes on what many people think is a, is a a team that will go to the conference final in the Calgary Flames. You know, we talked about the the Tuchuk trade and its impact on Florida, but you know what's it done to Calgary? I mean, he Brad Tree, leaving the general manager of the Calgary Flames, has been taken bows from just about everybody across Canada for the kind of magical way he turned it around. I mean, he lost two key players, but immediately added a key player and a first-round draft pick, conditional first-round draft pick, and a, and, a, and a prospect to go with it. And this is a team that already had some pretty solid pieces in place, and it looks like they're off to the kind of start that you'd expect them to have. Finally, Nashville takes on Los Angeles, who... Won an OT last night. I think that uh, LA is going to prove to be a little more difficult for teams than than people might have expected. They look like they've really picked up their pace. I mean, the speed is quick. Um, they're not as buttoned down just yet as the uh, McClellan would like them to be, as any coach would want them to be buttoned down. But it seems to me that uh, Jonathan Quick has been rejuvenated. Looks like he was right on top of things and. I'm looking for L.A. to If they don't make the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised. But it looks this time around that they're going to at least contend, which is a step forward for that organization. Absolutely. A couple other games on the docket tonight. Of course, Sharks visiting Long Island tonight. 7.30 drop for that. And the Canucks and the Blue Jackets. Now, Johnny Hockey out there. Not exactly living up to the bill in the first couple of games yet, Mike. No, he's not. And, and that, you know... You, talking about Mark andre Fleury getting booed. It won't be long before Johnny Gaudreau is here in the Boo Birds in, in Columbus. I mean, they're, they're 0-3. They were expecting a big boost from this guy. His only goal was a, a, a fluke off a defenseman's say, body and into, the, into the net. And, and so, you know, the heat's going to start to turn up uh, pretty quickly on the Blue Jackets, who, you know, I didn't have huge expectations for this team, but it's it's solidly built. It's, it's you know, the last couple of years it's made some noise in the playoffs, but um, Goudreau's presence was supposed to make it not easy, but a whole lot more interesting. And so far it's been a dud. Yep. I'm very unfortunate so far uh, out of the gate, but it is what it is. And we all know it's a long drive to the playoffs. So, We'll see what happens. Mike, your final thoughts on the night tonight. Bruins, Senators getting underway in just about two minutes uh, out in Ottawa. What are we looking for a score tonight? We start, I, I, I have no idea what the score will be, Ben, and I'm not going to predict it here <laughs> now. But I will tell you that um, when this season started, that was the hope that the Bruins could survive the absence of uh, Marshan and McAvoy and Grizzlick and... 
accumulate as many points as possible heading into the third week of November, the first week of December, when these guys are expected to come back. They've done an excellent job of getting the, uh, getting that done. Bank as many as you can. There are two more out there to be taken tonight. And even though, you know, this is the third game in four nights, it's a time where you buckle down. The coach gives you, gives all four lines a good opportunity to see ice time. You got to get deep, get a way to find their, their weakness, their Achilles heel, get after it, and uh, pucks on net whenever you can. Pucks on net. I like it. Sounds like a game plan, my friend. And, folks, thank you so much. We are just about at time of face-off. You've been listening to Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury here live on 1510 WMEX Quincy, Boston, and translator W266DQ 101.1 FM in Weymouth. Mike, we'll see you tomorrow night. You got it, Ben. WMEX Quincy, Boston. Streaming at WMEXBoston.com. And on your smart speaker, just say, play WMEX. The greatest hits of all time are back. This is the all-new WMEX. WMEX Boston.